Hallelujah. We thank God for, hallelujah, we thank God for, for his grace. Father, we are grateful. Thank you for the grace to, to worship at your feet. We are so grateful. Words are not enough. Take all the glory. Take all the adoration, Father, for in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh, good day, good morning, depending on where you are on the timeline or watching us online. Um, this is Strive, our midweek uh, Bible study, and um, you're all welcome. We have been on um, the book of James. We've been um, studying the book of James. Today we're on part 15. And uh, it's, it's the concluding part of um, James, the book of James. And we're looking at just the last two verses um, in this book, which is um, verses 19 and 20. And um, coincidentally, this is the last Thrive session for the year 2021. God has been awesome god has been faithful i mean to to all the pastors that have been that have taken tribe this year not just the book of james this year from january up to this point thank god for your lives thank god for for using each and every one of you to make an impact in the lives of everyone that has been part of tribe whether those that have joined online I mean, live or those that usually watch the the service afterwards, because that, that's one of the beauty about about Tribe. Fine, why we encourage you to to join live, because Tribe is an interactive session. I mean, all the chat, well, all the chat uh, social media handles we we use, and the chat rooms are always open where you can ask your questions, and we will treat the the questions live you can make comments and things like that so we encourage everybody to join online but there are people that usually watch tribe at the end of it i mean some other time when it's not live and their their, their lives are, have been impacted so we are so grateful to god for all he has done already and uh, we're excited about what he's going to do in 2022 hallelujah okay so like i said we're looking at James 5, verses 19 to 20. And the book of James has taken us on um, a life journey. And if, if, I mean, I would love to do a recap, but looking at it from the, the angle of, if we talk about all what we have, we have learned, what we have shared from chapter 1 to, to chapter 5, verse, where we stopped at verse 18, with this session may not just be enough. So I'm just going to dive straight into the two verses we are looking at today. Now, um, before I even dive into it though, last week, the focus was on prayer. And I mean, I mean it, it, there was so much to take away from it. And the fact is, men always ought to pray. In every situation, whether you have it under control or not. And as we go into these last two verses, you'll find out that it's still the same thing about prayer is key. Because what these two verses are even talking about, you really cannot do on your own. You need the Holy Spirit and you need to constantly engage. Now, um, James 5, verse 19 to 20, I'll read from the New Living Translation. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that 
whoever brings that sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. So it's about restoring. These this two verses talking is focusing on restoring those that have wandered, those that are faltering, those that are stumbling. Now, it is talking about believers that have stumbled, but it does not take away the fact that you should also look out for people that have never been saved. Because the point is, when a believer begins to stumble, it means the person is that it has a fractured relationship already with God. So the person finds himself in the same boat with somebody that has never been born again. So the thing is, it's always been God's plan and desire to reconcile man to himself. And this is such a big deal to God. It's a big deal in heaven. And think about it. The Bible says that when one person comes to, 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 to Christ, heaven rejoices. There's a big party, you know? So, I mean, after all that partying and celebration, then the person begins to falter. This will certainly, certainly not please God. Now, we say, we say such things will not please God. But how does it make us feel? As I mean, we, we're here, right? We're human beings. We, we, we live with, with these people. How does that make us feel? Is it even important to us? Do we think these things are important? Where you see somebody faltering. Is it important enough to get us thinking? Is it important enough to, to, to make us want to do something about it? Do we really care about the souls of others? I mean, the souls of whether they are they're unbelievers or the souls of people that, that were believers before and um, they, they have stumbled. Whether we were part of the persons, we're doing life with the person before, whether we're part of the, the process where the person got saved or, or, or not. How does it, um, how, what do we think about things like this? How does it actually even affect our own psyche? Is it a bother to us? Do we think it's important? Or we say, well, that one was never really with us. Really, let's, it, it's something that we, we ought to think about. How does it make you feel when you see someone backslide? When the person is stumbling, the person is disillusioned and says, oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't trust this thing anymore. I mean, it, it, somebody that used to be all about Jesus, all of a sudden starts living a life that does not glorify Jesus. Look, the truth is, it's a privilege to be saved. Salvation is a privilege. Nobody earns it. Nobody works for it. And it actually takes grace to remain steadfast in serving God. We know that it's a privilege. Yes, we know that it takes grace. Yes, it takes grace because things happen. Now, one of the easiest things to actually do is to judge people. Whether you are born again or not, it's very easy to form an opinion. It's very easy to jump to conclusions. It's very easy to, to quickly come up with your own judgment. And now, looking, bringing it home into where we talk about, where we, people we do life with, people that we, fellow, fellow believers. You see, when people falter, when they lose their way, they backslide, we, we, actually, we actually may be quick to pass judgment fine it's easy to pass judgment after passing judgment what next after seeing oh this person has backslidden oh oh this person has faltered oh okay fine we are not i mean it, it we, we feel we feel bad about it right because we have seen the reality what next <laughs> the truth is you know god doesn't think the way the way man thinks while we may pass judgment while we may even give up on someone, heaven doesn't give up on anybody. God doesn't give, as long as you are alive, as long as the person is alive. Because the truth is, in, um, in Hebrews 9 verse 27, it says that each person is, um, is destined to die once and then judgment. As long as that person is alive, there is a chance. There is a way back. Heaven doesn't give up. 
people's times. It's the tools that heaven has, that God has put here on earth. We are the tools. We are the ones that God has put here on earth to, to, to help bring this person back to the fold. We are the ones that easily give up. Say, oh, that one is gone. Oh, that one was never really with us. You see, the thing is, in our journey in life, we all go through seasons and we go through different things. We encounter things that affect us. We encounter things that put pressure on us. And everybody reacts differently. Everybody reacts differently. And many times, it may not even look obvious, but it's a test of our faith. You see? But everything that happens that doesn't even seem to glorify God or give cause to glorify God is a test of our faith. It might look like, oh, um, it's a terrible situation. Where is God in all this? True. It may not look like, it seems like it will will glorify God, but it's a test of our faith. And at the end of the day, the test of your faith will bring glory to God. When, now, I use the word doesn't seem to glorify God because really in Romans 28, it says all things work together for good, right? For those that love the Lord are called according to his purpose. So even when the enemy meant it for evil, take a um, case of, of Joseph. Joseph said, you meant it for evil. God turned it for good. That's what I am talking about. At the end of the day, God brings out the mess and uses it as a message and his name is glorified. The variable factor in the equation is always the person. God is a constant. God will always be glorified. God will always make sure that it turns out and he is glorified. It's the human being, the person that's the, that's the variable. So you see, how will... Um, how will a person that, I mean, when situations happen, how will a person come out of it? Will the person come out still trusting God and eventually see the glory of God or will the person lose faith? We all go through different things. Sometimes some people lose their faith. But even when that happens, God does not abandon them. God does not expect us to abandon them. And that is what that scripture was talking about helping to bring the person back into the fold. Now, I'll use use the simple, I mean, just one, um, we'll focus on one thing today. Look at the life of Peter. Look at the life of Peter, an apostle of of Jesus, right, walked with Jesus right from the beginning. Um, in case I, I think I don't think I mentioned I mentioned this when I started, but I mean these two verses. Looking at it, the the, the the two words that came to to me was love and responsibility. Looking at James five and nineteen to twenty twenty, love and responsibility, and that's what we are going to focus on talk about here today. And let's use the life of Peter. Peter was there with Jesus from the beginning. He was there from the beginning in ministry. He walked with him. I mean, he saw the miracles. Peter confessed that, yes, you are the son of God. And Jesus, yes, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. He had first-hand access to everything. And you see, when Jesus spoke in parables, Peter was there. When people who don't understand what Jesus was talking about, when the people would leave, Peter and his colleagues, yes, Jesus would break it down to them, you know, and they, they would understand. So it's we, we could say these guys had first-hand knowledge. If anybody should have been very clear about what was going to happen, it should have been these guys. And let's look at Judas. Yes, Judas fell. He betrayed Jesus. It led to a chain of events already chain of events already planned by God himself prophesied before time you know all these things was written down these guys spent time with Jesus Jesus broke everything down but he still shook them to their core he tested their faith to the limit even though Jesus had prepared them for it and 
at the time, Jesus, Jesus prepared Peter. He told Peter, this will happen. You see, and at the time, when the time came, Peter still denied Jesus. Now, thank God God is not a man, because the truth is, that would have been it for Peter, if God was a man. Say, ah, this guy, he will never be ready. The story would have been that this guy cannot be trusted. After all the training, after all the information, <laughs> God allowed him to go through the motions, allowed him to go through the process, and gave him a way back. And at the end of the day, let's go back to Romans 8.28. It still worked out for good. That situation, that issue that happened, it turned out, I mean, till today, we're learning from it. So you see, um, today's teaching is actually not about people, how people, why people falter, but it's how we respond, how God expects us to respond. Some people leave themselves open for love to reign. Some people leave themselves open for you to even be able to reach them and help them find their feet, help them come back. And some people shut down and they actively evade, they block all access, they, they, they stumble and they don't want, they, I mean, the enemy just blocks their eyes and they don't even want to be connected to anybody. They don't want to hear anything. Those are, the, those are, those are tough cases, but irrespective. The first thing is putting people in prayer. When you see people that have faltered, put them in prayer first. That's the first thing before we even begin to engage. And in the case of Peter, I mean, looking at Peter, whatever the case, Jesus showed us clearly that it's about love and responsibility. The thing is, love and responsibility, they go together. Love prompts you to take action, not for yourself, but for the sake of the person. Look, Jesus, Jesus resurrected. He sent Mary to let the disciples know that, yes, he had risen. Jesus came. He showed himself to the disciples, not once. He came. He showed himself. I mean, Thomas did not believe. So he showed himself to Thomas again. The disciples all saw him. Look, a lot of people said, thank God God is not man. But a lot of people, a lot of men will say, this people cannot be trusted. After all they went through together, they still need special appearances to be convinced. But Jesus is not a man. He doesn't think the way he's God. He doesn't think the way men think. He's not a man. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Even after all the special appearances, Peter still led these guys back to catching fish. That was not, what, that was not the assignment Jesus gave them now. And what did Jesus do? He didn't give up on Peter. He didn't give up on these guys. Remember, Jesus said, this is the rock. Jesus knew the heart of these people. Yes, the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. But at the same time, the, your work for God, our work with Christ is a heart work. When your heart is there, yes, challenges can come. Things can happen that can make the person stray. But God sees the heart. God knows that, yes, because this person is made in my image. This person is still alive. This person cannot be lost. And Jesus showed this clearly. Jesus shows up. He helps Peter understand the relationship with love and responsibility. Jesus knew that Peter loved him. Jesus knew that the disciples loved him. But they were having a hard time. A lot of people... Not that they don't love Christ, not that they don't love God, but they have a hard time and they stumble. It's left to those that are still standing to take responsibility and show love. In John um, 21, from verse 15 to 17, now, this is where, after they had gone fishing, Jesus had come, he made breakfast for them, you know, they had eaten, and Jesus asked Peter, Three times, if Peter, if he loved him. Peter answered in the affirmative. And the instruction was straightforward. Take care of, take care of, and feed my lamb and sheep. That was all Jesus was asking. You see, your love for Jesus 
an expression of this love is evident in the responsibility you take for his people. You cannot love God and not love people. If you truly love Christ, then you will love the souls of people. And clearly, love cannot be hidden but expressed. Therefore, you cannot love people and not be concerned enough about their souls to do something about it. And also, love is selfless. Your love for people and your concern for their soul will come at a personal cost and your convenience. Yes, it's about love, but love comes at a cost. Love is about responsibility. There was Peter. There, there, there Peter, Peter was there, right? He had almost lost his way a few days ago. And there he is, Jesus is giving him the responsibility to lead others. Think about it. Jesus not only gave him an opportunity to come back to him. Jesus showed him love, right? With responsibilities. Responsibility for and to people. Jesus knew Peter loved him. And he was showing him, feed my lamb. Feed my sheep. Take responsibility. Love is not passive. Act it out. You see, love is more than theory and it goes beyond abstract propositions. Love demands service. He equips you for that service and it produces results for that service. So the point is, look, many times it's easy for believers to come up with explanations and theories why someone fell to temptation. It's easy to claim the person should have known better. It's easy to chastise, you know, all the judgments, the works and all. But truly, yes, everybody is responsible for their spiritual growth. But there's a time and a place for everything. Chastisement is good for correction and learning lessons. But bringing the person back into the fold, bringing the person back, making sure that lost sheep is found, <laughs> making sure the person can retrace their step is the most important thing. Pray for the person. Make the efforts to help the person. And really, this is what the Bible says. Now, I mean, let's let's backtrack a little on this Peter and Jesus story, the encounter, right? Peter denied Jesus. I mean, now, if we go to Luke 22, verse 31, I'll read it from the New Living Translation quickly. Luke 22, 31. It says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Verse 32 says, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus told him what was coming. But Jesus also knew the heart of Peter. And he said, when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Take responsibility. Lead. Be the leader God has called you to be. And that is what God is calling us to do. Be who God has called you to be. Take responsibility, not just for your life, not just for your salvation. Take responsibility for the people around you, for what God has put in your hand. Take responsibility. Jesus saw this coming. He warned Peter. You see, for Satan who goes around looking for who to destroy, it was never really about Peter as a person. But it's about the kingdom. It's about destinies tied to people. That is the same thing for believers, for every one of us. The devil seeks will to kill and destroy. Yes, but it's not just about that individual. The devil doesn't have a one-on-one -on -one with people to say, oh, this one is a, I have a personal vendetta with this person. It's about attacking the kingdom of God. Still the same thing that's happening today. He wants to truncate destinies and the de I mean, destiny of, of, of people he can have and the destinies tied to those people. Jesus prayed for Peter, and we know that prayer works. And, you know, somebody may ask, ah, okay, if Jesus prayed for Peter, how come he still denied Jesus? Come on, if prayer works, I mean, after that prayer, it would have, uh, that should have passed now. Uh, the fact is, Jesus prayed for Peter. And every plan of the enemy there are things that god allows he allows 
And at the end of the day, those things work out for good. They work out and God takes all the glory. So you see, Romans 8.28, very clear. Satan tried and he failed and the name of Jesus was glorified. So instead of judging and criticizing uh, people, uh, anyone that stumbles and, and falls, we should focus on what James 5 verse 19 to 20 says. Make a difference in the life of that person and the many other destinies that are tied to that person. You see, many people do not get born again and deliberately stumble, no? Yes, it's the person's responsibility to grow. It's the person's responsibility to be steadfast. It's the person's responsibility to fall on the grace of God, which abounds. Yes, it is there. It's the person's responsibility to be steadfast with the help of the Holy Spirit. Nobody else can take the blame when a person stumbles, but compassion is what is needed. During the ministry of Jesus, Jesus healed so many people, and you would see he was always moved with compassion because Jesus had a heart for people, and that is what God expects from us, to have a heart for people. When you have a heart for people, when your heart is right, then you would actually feel yes, Yes, you would, you would, um, when, if somebody stumbles, you would feel it and you would want to make a difference. Talking about, talking about that, if we look at James 10.10, 10, it says, um, James 10.10, 10, the, 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 Satan comes to, to steal and to destroy, right? But what did Jesus say he came to do? My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The King James Version says, and that they might have life, talking about they might have it more abundantly. That is what Jesus is about. It is not about judgment. It's about compassion. There's a place for, 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 for casting people out, and there's a place for going after the lost. The thing is, it's all about purpose and the leading of the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose for every action that you take? You see, love, love, which is what Christianity is built on, does not turn against a wayward brother. In um, Luke 15, verse 4, it talks about the story of living in 99 to go seek out the one that was lost. Another scripture, Luke 19, verse 10, from the NLT, says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. See, even when discipline is, is um, enforced in church, the aim is not to drive people away from the faith. That's not the purpose. In um, 2 Thessalonians 3, I'll quickly read it from verse 14 to 15, the New Living Translation. It says, take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't, don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. Chastisement, yes, there's room for that. The Bible makes allowance for that. But it's not to... It's not to to condemn. It's not to, to, to send the person to, to make sure the person ends up being totally lost. And that's what Jude, in the book of Jude, Jude is just one chapter, verse 22, he says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to show mercy to still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. The point is, you cannot hate the person. You can chastise, you can discipline, but certainly not push to the brink. See, the book of James started with encouragement about faith and doing what is right at all times. And in chapter 1 actually ended with a child to care for, for orphans, for widows, and not allow the world to corrupt us as believers. 
Now, here we are in the final chapter of, of the book of James. And he's encouraging us to look out and reach out to people that have lost their way and help bring them back into the fold. That is what the gospel is. That is what the good news is all about. Reaching out to the lost, whether backsliding or never saved. And that is what we are about. Um, if you have questions, you can you can send them in right now or you can jot them down. The, as, as we end the teaching, the questions can begin to come in. Like I said earlier, it's an interactive session. Tribe is interactive, so those questions, by the grace of God, will, will be able to treat them live um, during the service. So now, I was saying, it's about reaching out to the lost, whether backslidden or never saved. And it's what GFH is about. It's about outreach. Our focus is outreach. And you know, in this season, we have we have deliberately focused on ingathering, reaching out to people, bringing them to Christ, ingathering of souls, ingathering of lives. In um, Proverbs 11, verse 30, if I read, it, I read it quickly from the King James Version, it says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. He that winneth souls is wise. It's actually wisdom to please God. And winning souls pleases God. Whether the person was backsliding or never been born again. And the thing is, we all have a role to play in God's grand plan of winning souls for him. And I believe God has given us that responsibility for one another in the body of Christ. Because God has given us that responsibility, yes, I believe so. It means someday we will be held accountable, we'll be held responsible for failing to love someone enough to pray for them, or even speak out when they needed help. God has given us, there's a purpose God has called each and every one of us, and that purpose includes reaching out. He just said, go out there and preach the gospel. The gospel. That is a major, major part of why God has left us here. Because if that was not it, I mean, if it was just about making heaven, then guess what? The day you get born again, boop, straight to heaven. But God has a reason for leaving us here, a purpose for, for leaving us to walk for him. We are not just walking with him, we are walking for him. To save life, to save, to 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 bring um, to bring the gospel, the good news, for lives to be changed, for lives to be transformed, and we've been we've been we've been on this for for um, a couple of weeks in church. We've been talking about ingathering. We've been talking about outreach, and we we keep saying it over and over and over again. The greatest impact you can make in the life of someone and the destinies tied to that person is the opportunity you currently have, not just to bring them to church, to win that person for Christ. And yes, you can take the first step by inviting and encouraging that person to come to church, whether the person had a story. Because a lot of times, you will find out that a lot of people that used to be in the faith but have strayed, they will tell you they have a story. They had an, I mean, there was an incident that, that, um, that, um, that shook their faith. Some will tell you something happened that made them realize or made them begin to think that oh look let's go back to peter and the disciples these guys were there they walked with god they ate with god they got they even did miracles in the name of god i mean jesus was there they knew this was the son of god and the king had come and all of a sudden one of them betrayed him we would have thought, I mean, looking at it from their perspective, from that, we would have thought, ah, Jesus would just, you know, and the, the, the work will go on, you know. But there was a time and a season appointed for Jesus to do the work, and that is what Jesus did. They would not have understood that it was the right time. For them, time was, it wasn't time. For them, they did not understand that, I mean, they didn't know Romans 8.28, but everything was working together for good. Everything was working according to God's plan. And look at how disappointed they were. Peter went back to fishing, even after Jesus had resurrected. But you see the difference we have today. These guys did not have the Holy Spirit at that time. 
But thank God for the Holy Spirit that is here with us. The Holy Spirit that teaches us. The Holy Spirit that tells us. It's not just about what we have read. The Holy Spirit may, helps us understand. These guys walked with Jesus. But they still really didn't understand. Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. So when we see those that are lost, those that are never saved, it's not about judgment. It's about if you love Jesus enough, if you love God enough, then you will take responsibility for to do what God has, what God desires, what God wants, and which is to reach out to these people and bring the gospel to them. Because yes, it's not by our power, but we have to do our own bit and God will do his bit. So even at this point, as we wrap up, if you are watching this right now and you have a fragmented relationship with God, maybe have backsliding or you have never even had a relationship with God, I can categorize, categorize, <laughs> I can categorize, I can tell you that God is interested in you and there are no coincidences with God. There's no better time to come back to him than now. It's a wonderful season. It's the, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it's Christmas, and there's no better time to, to come back to God. If you want to give your life to Christ or rededicate your life to him right now, where you are, yes, we're all at home, it's online, but Jesus, God sees you. Heaven sees you. Just put your hand up to signify yes to, to to signify that yes you want to give your life to christ then you can put that 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 hand down the online pastors are going to post a link on the platforms click on that link and fill the form and god will bless you even as we pray father we thank you for everyone that is watching at this point that will watch this program for anyone that will that's rededicating their life to you anyone that is coming to you at this point lord we ask that you breathe upon them that you come alive in them that your spirit comes alive in them and their lives from this point will never remain the same thank you for salvation in their lives thank you father for in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. So Amen. congratulations for to those that just give their life to Christ. And at this point, we have come to the end of our teaching. And we have our special guest for those that are used to tribe. You already know who I'm talking about. Welcome, Papi. Hola. How are you? Fine. Thank you, sir. Well done. Good teaching. Thank you, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, we can't hear you. You can't hear me? Okay, yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. So I was saying well done, good teaching. Thank you, Praise sir. God. Can't hear Okay, yeah, okay, I hear you now. Okay. So I was saying well done, good teaching. Thank you, Lord. I think something's wrong with the sound over there, right? All right, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Okay, so... Um, is the sound okay now? Yes. Okay, great. So, yes, um, yeah. while um, we don't have any questions that have come in yet, but um, okay. I want us to, to look at something. I, I don't think I, I, I brought the scripture out, but it's one of the scriptures I, I'm looking at when I, when I was preparing. And um, it's um, 1 John 5, looking at verse 16 to 17. I, I, I read it from New Living Translation. It says, if you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. 
But there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not everything leads to death. So, now, I'm saying, what is the basis for this difference, for this sin differentiation here? I mean, it's saying, pray for this, but don't, I mean. Yeah, so, um, it's, it's, um, it's a part of our work with God that folks and i think i mean even spiritual leaders like to tread carefully you know um because it's very weighty and one thing about the word of god is it is the word of god it is what it is <laughs> so we can you know there's nothing you can do against the word of god you know so um there are certain things that we wish weren't in the bible or weren't in the word of god particularly in the new covenant you know you know but it, it is what it is it is there so the first thing is to 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 see it for what it is now secondly is what is it talking about why do, from from what you've said why the differentiation Why the differentiation of of um, of of sin? Why is one category um, atonable um, and the other they say don't even bother? You know, um, it's because we struggle with it because we have this erroneous belief that um, sin is sin. You know, have you heard that before, Pastor Sati? Sin is sin. Ah, I had an argument with um, <laughs> one of my former colleagues on uh, one of our football forums so during the week. <laughs> okay. And in preparing for this, I just realized, uh, fine, I, I was arguing, but I wasn't too sure anymore if I was arguing from the from a particular the right perspective. What were because you, this what was, was your, what was your own premise? Yeah, I was trying to tell him that look, sin is sin. I don't know what you are talking about. That uh, in fact, the argument came from some quote somebody posted that says um, it was a reference to something they, they said. I don't know. They said the Pope said that. I think that. Um, marital is it fornication adultery in, in in marriage is not that weighty it was the i mean I, I don't really i can't remember the context as it is but that discussion went into the fact that sin is sin <laughs> and okay, so, uh, at the end so, of the day <laughs> so yeah so um while of course you are correct and what are you good are you typing something or what's going on what's that something no, no, I'm checking if we have questions. Oh, if you have questions, okay. <clears throat> so you, you can check intermittently when we are done our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> now, while it is correct that sin is sin, because all sin, every sin um, separates from God, and every sin, you know, for the believer that has a relationship with God, doesn't make God happy, you know? Now, there is a sin unto death. That's what the Bible says. Yeah. And there is a sin that the Bible says don't even bother. The threshold is usually determined by what the trespass is. There is a to trespass is to cross a line, you know. So there are lines that if you cross, the Bible says even if you want, even if you even if you seek repentance, you won't find it. And that is the line Judas crossed. We talk about 
we talked about we talked about the line Peter crossed, you know. That is also the line Esau crossed with his with his birthright. You know, the Bible says he he sought it with tears, you know. But boom, you know, he couldn't get it. Now, so the the person the trespass. So what that is just saying is that there is a line that if you cross it, you know, um, um, it's better not to cross it. <laughs> so, okay. so if that's the first thing we want to establish, that is there's a line that is better that you do not cross. Then the next question is, so what is that line? That I should not cross. Or that the believer should not, that would be a um, like a no-go area for the believer. It's best to always stick to scriptures. So the the only one that the scripture um, brings out is the um, sin against the Holy Spirit, and and. The Bible was clear what that is, you know, which is ascribing to the devil what was clearly the work of the Holy Spirit by saying that Jesus used Beelzebub. Because you disagree with Jesus' theology or with his lifestyle or whatever, you know, it's okay. <clears throat> you can even slap him, it's okay. You can even tear his clothes, it's okay. You can't even nail him to the cross. It's okay. Every sin against the Son of Man shall be forgiven, you know. But when you cross that line, and you know, with the Holy Spirit, that's what God says, you know. And many people, again, um, say, "Oh, but I'm not afraid. I don't want to sin against the Holy Spirit." I've, I've had people come to me and cry that they were crying relentlessly that, "Oh, I, I've, I've committed your forgivable sin." I'm like, "What did you do?" He says, oh, I, sin. <laughs> I sinned against the Holy Spirit." <laughs> you know, I know all that stuff. You know, people, a lot of people, a lot of us. You know, I mean, God had to deliver me from that. Also, we like to drink from the, from the. We like to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of eating from the tree of life so so why am i why am i even worried where this line is this that i don't want to trespass when i can just live my life pleasing god all my life well i don't even bother the only tree i'm eating from is the tree of life i don't even care whether the tree of knowledge and evil uh, how it tastes, or, or where, where it exists, or, or why did God put it there, or, or God is, is God trying to tempt us? I mean, just eat the tree of life, and, and you'll be fine. You know, so um, I don't know if that helps. Let me pause there. No, yes, sir. I mean, as exactly what you talked about. Why are we bothered about the tree of life and death when we can just... I mean, of good and evil, when we can just stick to the, 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 the tree, the tree of life, because yes, the, the the ambiguity in the fact that someone says um, not all sin is um, not all sin is really sin, or we say sin is sin, and everybody begins begins to argue, and at the end of the day, it's it's about scriptures like this that tells us that says don't even bother. But we know what it means to transgress or trespass against the Holy Spirit. The line may not be clearly written in bold, but for the fact that you have knowledge of the Holy Spirit, you can tell what the line is. You know, that it helps a lot, actually. Thank you, sir. So let then, me ask um, you, so, so before you, before you ask the question, let me ask you, would you say that um, because sin is saying that um, 
sin, every sin is equal. I wouldn't say every sin is equal, but it's still sin. It's not equal, but it's still a sin. It's still separate from God. That's the point. It's uh, how do we equate this now? Death is death. Some deaths are more horrible than others. <laughs> but it's still death. Correct. Okay, so go on, please. <laughs> All right, sir. The, the, another question I, I, I want to ask is it's still coming from scripture, but also related to, to, to ministry. Now, um, in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14 to 15, it says, Take note of those who refuse to obey what we say in this letter. Stay away from them so they will be ashamed. Don't think of them as enemies, but warn them as you would a brother or sister. You know, it, this is this scripture, obviously, yes, we know it's talking about when you chastise, when you discipline, and how to go about it. Yeah. But in the scenario where especially in ministry. How do you handle a situation where discipline is needed? Discipline should be enforced, right? But the person is already backsliding. <laughs> the person is already on the verge. So it's a case of, the person is still showing up, but we all know that hey, this one is a special prayer we are praying. We are trying to bring the person in. Then something happens where you ought to discipline the person. Any attempt to suspend this kind of person, any attempt to even discipline, there are people you tell that, look, come to the office. That will be the end of <laughs> the person in church. So how do you handle such a situation? It's quite tricky. Um, and um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty tricky you know um as the leader though i i mean i've seen i've been in such situations where you know all you want is the person's um spiritual growth right by discipline exactly right? exactly so yes. that's, that's all you are interested in and the person will say i would rather go to the world endure <laughs> 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 this discipline now i will tell you what i have done you know uh, in the past before now i i used to assume that everybody loves jesus the way he deserves to be loved not even i'm not even saying the way i love him i'm saying the way it deserves to be loved. So everybody um, 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 takes their walk with God from that revelation of Christ, right? So I used to believe that, you know, whatever discipline, you endure it and you hold on to your salvation and, you know, you become stronger as a person. But so I used to say, deal with it. You know, whatever, deal with it. Because I used to assume that people cannot, I would not backslide. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I have seen people actually backslide. I've seen people actually leave, not just leave the church, leave the faith. So when, and it bothers me because I, you know, the question now comes is, was this person even really saved in the first place? Exactly. Did this person really know what it is to be a child of God? Have we failed as spiritual leaders in teaching these people or this person in, in the case and making them grounded? So those are the questions I wrestle with. Now, the subsequent situations, when I see that sign, <laughs> When I see that sign in, the, in, in someone that is supposed to be disciplined, and I see it early, and that is the, when I see it early, I just back off. And, and, and I back off, I say, 
Kukuma, you are all right. Don't worry about this discipline. Now, the challenge of that is this. The challenge of that is this. They are onlookers. They are exactly. other. They are other believers that you know, and they are watching, and they're like, people have said to me, "Oh, papi, you are down weak. Yo, you are you are not as as tough as you used to be. You, know, you used to be a military man. Now you are a civilian. You know, you are now <laughs> you are not." And I said to them that you cannot, you you don't see what I see, and you're not where uh, from the vantage point I am. I am. I am looking. So, but they are not convinced. They are just convinced that now, you know, I'm not as tough as I used to be. People are getting away with things, and I'm not saying anything. And I'm not, because I try. I, I try to, and I'm like, hey, this one we we break, you know, and. Because the pain I felt when I've seen people actually break and lose their faith, I don't think that's what God has called us to do. So that is, it is that weight of, is this person actually a child of God? So, so let's now focus our energy in making the person have a walk with God. Let the person begin to have quiet time. People don't even have quiet time. Let the person begin to read their Bibles. Some people don't even read their Bibles. They don't even begin to read books. They don't even grow spiritually and know God. People don't even know God. So when, and that takes a, that is not a, a switch. It's, it's a process. So you now have the onlookers that are not privy to the, to the dynamics of, of all the details. They say, oh, so this is what is going on now. Everybody, everybody can do it. So they drop their guard. The people that should know better. Now, again, and I begin to say, are they, were they even spiritual themselves in the first place? So I don't know. Um, I hope that helps, Pastor Sitz. Yes, well, I, I'm thinking there has to be a time where the line has to be drawn because one bad apple will eventually spoil the bunch. That is correct. That is correct. So when people, I've had people, because of what they are going through, begin to at God, begin to, <laughs> I can't even repeat some things, you know, very disheartening, you know, and you're wondering, was this person ever really saved? Was this person ever really a child of God? Now, the people that are watching, they don't know that. All they see is this person, I should have been given 20 strokes of the cane. Uh, Papi is just giving this person two strokes. Okay, if it's another person now, you get 20, you know, do you, you understand? So, and you're a father, you have more than one child, you have two sons. They should be, you, the way you discipline well, you know, like this one cannot take how I would discipline you. I hope that is the case, you know. Now imagine if you had if you have 12 children, you discover that some will break under your, your stay down. Others need 12 strokes of the pain before they break. <laughs> so, yeah. So what do you suggest? I mean, you know, how would you, what would you suggest to be done, you know, to keep the, uh, the community without preventing that bad apple, quote unquote, um, spoiling the bunch. How would you? What would you suggest? I, I mean, I wouldn't know. I, I've been, I've been thinking about it because I there was an experience I had a while ago. We were still in Orchid. I was in. I was heading the security traffic team then, and I remember chastising somebody, and the guy just stopped coming to church. All of <laughs> completely. Reach this dude. <laughs> it looked like the guy was waiting for for something to just trigger him, and it it got to me as in I I felt it a lot. So, and since then I I try to pamper, but sometimes it just feels like the minute you allow this happen, everybody is so it's open season. And even the ones that were trying, looking up to certain people, because a lot of times you find out that 
this can happen with people that are not baby Christians or have not and did not just come into church. And people look at them and say, oh, thank God for this person's life. And all of a sudden, the person is acting up. And it, I mean, you, you, you are trying to let this person know that your actions can hinder, affect the faith of somebody else. But the person is about me, myself, and I. Correct. And actually almost daring, what are you going to do about it? You know? <laughs> As you have seen it, yeah, <laughs> sir. You know, so I mean, well, I guess it's just we just rely on the Holy Spirit to, to to direct us on how to handle each case by on a case by by case basis. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so I, I think on a case by case basis, yes. Now, um, on how in retrospect, this guy that you. You discipline. <laughs> I'm bolted. On a re in retrospect, what would you do differently? I think I'll send him to NCR. <laughs> <laughs> send him to NCR. Send him for counseling. And I mean, because I, now I mean, we, we have to read people more and tackle the case by case basis because sometimes. Because I think I was thinking maybe I, I I didn't do enough before I brought the thunder. So I'm thinking maybe we we try and help. And if we've done all we can do, uh, Jesus couldn't save Judas. <laughs> he couldn't. Judas was ready to go. He had all the opportunity to have a change of heart. So I think when we... When we, oh, well, thinking about it now, I mean, I'm talking about love and responsibility. It's our responsibility. I mean, if we love, then it's our responsibility to do what is right. Mm. And you cannot sacrifice everybody for the ego of one. So, yes, we try to build. And if the person refuses to build, then the person should face the, 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 the discipline that the system has put in place. And if it turns out that the person eventually decides to disappear, it's I know it's one of those unfortunate ones that I don't really think we could do any, we can do anything about. Really, I mean, just thinking about it now, I'm thinking hey, we help as much as we can, but and we do what we have to do. We can't bring the house down because somebody is training tantrum. Exactly. <laughs> oh well. Okay, sir. I mean, those are, I mean, while I, those are two things that I just, I mean, I was thinking about when, when I was preparing. And... Okay, so <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. So let me, let me, um, let me ask you this based on um, the content of your teaching. You, you did say something that is very, uh, very intriguing, which is if Jesus said, rather, Jesus actually said that. Peter, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith did not fail. But Peter still denied Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Is it that God did not answer prayers? Is it that, you know, um, you know, you know, I mean, why did he, you know, it, it's, I think it's because, I want to speak to it. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that, you know. But yeah, I I think I didn't have time to just okay. So like so go go ahead. So talk talk on that. Yeah, I didn't have time to really go deeper. You know, I was saying that brings us to Romans 8 28, where it says all things work together for good. The prayer worked. If the prayer didn't work, I don't think Peter would have had a way back. Because the devil was not about Peter should deny Jesus and he should be ashamed and uh, he has won. It was about scattering the whole thing. Peter should even go the way of Judas. That would be a nice thing. I mean, the devil would think, oh, that would be a nice to have, you know? And God will always do his part. It is for us to do our part. So maybe Peter didn't do his part fully. Because when we talk about faith, we, we, we pray that our faith is not tested to that limit. And remember, the Bible says that he will not allow us to be tempted, tempted more than we can 
even handle. Peter denied. They could have insisted. Maybe they could have even lynched Peter self. This scenario, I mean, there's so much that could have come out of it. But Jesus prayed for him. And God was there for him. Peter may not have been able to probably do his part fully, but God still showed up. And everything still worked together for good, to the glory of God. Until today, we are learning from that. That is action that may have looked like he failed, that may have made him feel like he failed. So today, it's changing lives, and God is taking the glory. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Pastor Suki. You are going to say something, add something to it? Yeah, well, um, you, you answered it well. Um, um, if I were to add anything, it would be the fact that um, many times, it's, it's, it's not how we, it's, it's not, that's how we think God will answer prayers that he does answer prayers. You know, he, 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 but at the end of the day, he will answer that prayer, you know, um, and that prayer was not denied you know, at all, you know, based on all the things you said, yeah. Thank, thank you very much, sir. Add that to my arsenal. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so... Um, I don't know if you have anything to say. We don't have any questions. So. Amen. Okay. Gospel House, it is still a year of lifting. And we are lifted all the way on Eagle's wings. God bless you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.